This week's podcast is sponsored by Direction. Okay, welcome everyone to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's March 29th, 2023. Uh, this episode will drop tomorrow on March 30th. I'll be your host. My name is Scott St. Clair. I'm sitting in for Justin Nielsen on vacation this week. And joining me as always is our weekly guest, Arusha Pires. He's a portfolio manager at O'Neill Global Advisors. Thanks, Arusha. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing well, Scott. Great to have you as the, the host this week. Yeah, hopefully Justin comes back from Hawaii because uh, <laughs> this is a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, props to Justin. Everybody says Justin doesn't work hard, but n now we know at least he's working hard on this feature. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, the markets, uh, especially today. Today was a very interesting day in the overall market, the indexes. Uh, Arusha and I worked together at MarketSmith for uh, roughly 10 years. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that, some of the lessons that we learned, some of our favorite stories, et cetera. And then uh, hopefully we'll each have a, a couple of stocks to put on your radar for the uh, coming weeks ahead. So let's get right into the market, Arusha. Go ahead and, and pull up a chart of uh, the NASDAQ, maybe. Yep. And you see and that's Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Sorry. I was waiting for you to go. <laughs> I want to hear your thoughts first. That way I can piggyback them. Oh, yeah. So, well, well, it was perfect timing for the, the recording this uh, episode, Scott. We had a fall today today. Uh, and so on the NASDAQ, we were up uh, around 1.8%. And the volume was higher than the day before, right? So the volume doesn't have to be higher than the average. It just needs to be higher than the day before. So it's been pretty low volume the last few days. So we had that fall today. Uh, market goes back into a confirmed uptrend. And how about on the uh, the S&P and or the Dow? Any thoughts there? Did they both uh, exhibit fall through day uh, action today? Well, it, it depends like the on what the S&P did too, but maybe we're waiting for the volume, right? At this at this point it's we're about an hour past the uh, close of the market on Wednesday. Yeah, it, it looks like if you're using 1.2% uh, as the the threshold, it looks like you got the fall through day on the S&P too. Yeah, 1.4. And in the Dow, we haven't really been using that, uh, at least at IBD, for a while. Yeah, we don't use the Dow. It's only 30 stocks. So, so uh, I mean, it, well, years ago, I think yeah. that we, we would use that, right? But since since it was only 30 stocks, it was a little bit easier to manipulate. And and so generally, as you know, we, we use the S&P or the NASDAQ. Okay, so we have a fall through day, and and uh, you know we've got the the market in in an uptrend. What what does that mean for most people out there? Well, it just means that the overall market environment now it has a little bit more of a chance of having a rally. So we generally wait a little bit. We wait for a market signal to just to try to improve our odds a little bit. So everything, even like looking for stocks that are breaking out. All of these little uh, entry points, uh, rules that we have in the methodology, it's just to try to slightly improve the odds a little bit and help us manage the risk. So we wait for a market signal this fall through day to, uh, to let us know that the overall market environment is starting to get a little bit better and uh, that we can get a little bit more aggressive in the market. Yeah, so it's not an all clear sign. It's not, you know, there's, we don't know for sure that it's going to work. The the good news is based on history, all new bull markets have started with one of these signals, right? But there will be some false positives. But the asymmetry of the trade is what makes this so powerful, right? Because if you have a stop loss plan, if you have a plan to, uh, to tiptoe in, so to speak, and if it, it goes bad, you just get out so you can you can handle uh let's say that you hand you get you get uh, chopped up a tiny bit three times but on the fourth time starts a new bull market uh it's well worth it to to heed these signals and you know one of the rules and maybe we'll talk about this when things we learned in-house uh is that on a fall today if you were all in cash if you know and so a lot of you might not are might not be fully in cash but if you were you want to do something, you want to buy something, give yourself uh, some feedback from the market, because we all know that you get much better feedback from being in the market than you do from being on the outside looking in. You don't have that same emotional uh, attachment that you might have when your money's on the line. 
Yeah, I mean, it really is amazing at how that feedback works, where say you even have like a 5% position or even 2% position, right? You're a little bit more nervous. You've gotten chopped up. It's been a long, almost two years now, right? Uh, where growth stocks topped in, it's really two years, growth stocks topped in February of 2021. And so if you're really focusing on that and you've been trying to get in and out, it's been very easy to get chopped out and to lose your confidence. And so by putting a little bit of money to work, when you start seeing the market signal, when you start seeing stocks acting better and breaking out, uh, that helps you slowly shift your mindset where you start to notice that during those times where the markets actually start to work and you're at a beginning of a bull market, you'll start to notice that, hey, you know, these, some of these positions that I bought, they're actually going up now. They're not completely falling apart and stopping me out. And so that helps uh, build your confidence. And, and in those, uh, those real bull markets, the market will continually slowly pull you in over a few weeks and probably four to five weeks, suddenly you're, you're pretty uh, heavily invested. At least that's my experience. Scott, what about you? Yeah, our, our instinct is we want to rush in. We want to get fully invested because we've seen historic bull markets start and you know how the, the potential upside. But one of the portfolio managers in-house uh, used to say, if it's real, you, you don't have to buy uh, everything on the fall today. So if, it's, if this is the start of a new bull market, go back and study. I looked at the COVID bull market. There was one stock, DocuSign, that broke out on the fall today. Oh, wow. uh, there were two that broke out before. So Zoom and Teladoc, I believe, mm-hmm. broke out before the fall today. So those are the three big winners from that time period that let's say you were waiting for the fall today to get positioned that you would have missed. But after that, there were a plethora of stocks, you know, Livongo, which got bought out by Teladoc, Tesla, NVIDIA, Amazon. And, and I, I'm just trying to remember some of the tickers because I marked up the chart, you know, right where they broke out. And they all broke out pl- plenty, uh, uh, many days after the fall today. So if this is real, there'll be plenty of time to get fully positioned. And, and the good news is, like you mentioned, we've had a pretty good bear market. It's gone on for, uh, it's, it's been long enough. If you, if you count the, the average growth stock, or if you were to look at ARC, or look at Fidelity Contra or T. Rowe Price New Horizons funds, they've all experienced normal bear market activity down 25% plus, some of those down a lot more. And the time, right? They've all, it, it's been at least 24 months since, since they put in their tops. The indexes have done a very good job of hiding the weakness in the market because really, truly, it's been a much like if we fast forward 50 years, history will say, well, that, let's pretend this is the low. History will say that wasn't really much of a bear market, right? They'll look at the S&P, they'll look at the Dow, the NASDAQ a little bit more. But for those of us that have experienced it, it's been a really nasty bear market and they've gotten some stocks down 80, 90%. So um, we're, it's possible. We don't know, but you know, be open-minded, have the imagination uh, that it could be a, 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 new bull, a new bull market. You never want to say it can't be because then you're, you're stuck. You could be stuck on the outside looking in. Yeah. The moment you say it can't be, that's exactly when it's going to work. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, it's amazing how psychology works like that. And we had we had a fall through day also on January 6th, right? And, and so we, we moved the market back to uh, marketing correction a few, a few couple of weeks ago or so. Uh, but maybe that was just more of a pullback, right? So, so we, we've had that fall through day on January 6th, had, picked up a dump puncture distribution, ended up moving back to correction, but now all of a sudden you get a, oh, another fall through day pretty shortly afterwards um and so maybe that january 6th falter day was kind of the the true falter day uh here we'll just have to wait and see uh, on that but i think looking on the the weekly chart here scott for for the nasdaq this is probably the first time in over a year where the the indexes at least look a little bit more constructive right they've settled down they've formed a little bit more of a constructive pattern here uh, and they haven't moved that much versus over the last year and a half. 
Yeah, I, I um, on my weekly video, I, I screenshotted the NASDAQ, I believe it was about two weeks ago, and I took out the ticker and I took out the time frame, and I just said, if you saw this chart, would you be bullish or bearish, right? And I just told everyone, just take a look at this chart, and I'm going to tell you the time frame, I'm going to tell you what company it is, would you be bullish or bearish? And it and you were in the midst of this crisis, this banking crisis, you know, for, for whatever it's worth, and it just didn't look bearish to me. It yeah. just, it just wasn't bearish. And there's a, uh, a guy that every time we get into these periods in the market that I follow on Twitter and he always tweets, you know, crisis equals opportunity. You probably know who I'm talking about, but he's right. You go back in, in history in, in the long-term capital management crisis and the, the, uh, the tech bubble and the, the great financial crisis, right? That doesn't mean it's an opportunity right as we sit here, but they always set up eventually to an opportunity. So you want to have have that mindset that, uh, you know, going forward for yourself. Yeah. And uh, a, lot, a lot of times also near the bottom uh, uh, and at the beginning of a bull market, news is pretty bad. And it seems pretty bad right now, Scott. I, I, I don't know about you, but it, it seems pretty negative out there. I'm always bearish at the start of a new bull market, Arusha, <laughs> which is partly how I ended up at IBD. That's a whole nother podcast because I was bearish at the lows in 2009 and missed the rally. And, and I was doing my post analysis in 2009 and I didn't make any money. And I'm like, how did I not make any money? Look at all these stocks. And I was like, I bet Bill made a boatload of money in Apple and Amazon and and I was like, "That's I'm going to go work for Bill." That was kind of how I got banged on the proverbial door, you know, called, emailed, and said, "I want to work for that guy." I know he didn't miss this bull market, and so yeah, you have to be careful how you feel because you, you, if you're human, like well, I, I'm guessing most of us are that watch this show, you will feel negative at the lows. It will feel bad. I mean, I I have an account at TD Ameritrade which Schwab has bought out, and eventually my account will be at Schwab. And maybe that's a stock we can look at later. But, you know, I, I had fear where I was like, I, I think I need to transfer my IRAs. Maybe Schwab is in trouble, right? And so yeah. uh, that type of fear can, you know, it, you have, uh, it's okay to have that. I mean, you can't fight it, right? But I recognize that I'm pretty fearful here. So therefore, maybe maybe we're, we're getting close. We, we have to be pretty close, Scott, because I actually, because I have a Schwab, well, TD Ameritrade account too, and I'm going through the same feelings that, and I pulled up the Schwab chart right here where it's just selling off dramatically and like, what is going on? Uh, so it were probably pretty close to lows because I actually, in that account, bought treasuries, Scott. <laughs> I never knew how to do it. And I took the time and I went and I watched some videos of how to do it on TD Ameritrade. And so I do own some treasuries in that account. Yeah, just so that in case it got locked up or something, you didn't right. have to worry about, you know, liquidating stocks, et cetera. And you were protected, right, by owning the treasuries. Yeah, I've never, yeah. I remember because I remember he, I would hear like in-house, like, you know, the, the, uh, for the O'Neill accounts. And I'm sure you heard it too. It's that, well, we, we, during some of the bear markets, just buy some treasuries. Yeah. Right? They just park the the money and they buy treasuries and not just keep it always in cash. So it's like, yeah. okay, let, let me just do some of that at least. And, and I'll, you know, I'll put some in treasuries for, for a few months and keep some in cash, but at least this way, if something else is going on with Schwab, uh, Anything can happen in the market. We saw that in 2008. And, you know, I don't necessarily think anything's going to really have bad happen, hopefully, to Schwab, you know, knock on wood there. But with the way it was selling off, that worried me. I mean, especially with First Republic, I knew people who had accounts in First Republic. When I started seeing that selling off, I called them and told them, you might want to take some of that money out of First Republic. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Your money's probably safe. I mean, your money's, I'm, I'm pretty sure it'll be safe, but it doesn't hurt to move some of that money out. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then all of a sudden you just start seeing more and more of this news. So it's amazing how the market can kind of lead you in the right direction. Okay. So there is some negative headlines, some stuff out there that has uh, led some to some trepidation in the market, but the market has voted. We have had a follow-through day, as Arusha talked about earlier. 
When we come back, Arusha and I will discuss some of our favorite things working at MarketSmith. We spent 10 years together working almost side by side, and we'll discuss that. Stay tuned. Trading Apple, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leverage and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Okay, welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. I'm your host. I'm Scott St. Clair. I am joined by Irusha Pires. So now we're going to talk a little bit about our experience at MarketSmith. Irusha uh, and I both worked there for uh, roughly 10 years together, and uh, it's quite an amazing uh, learning experience. It's just a, a place where you, you, you could learn about the markets, uh, be immersed in it, be surrounded by people like-minded who love the markets. I always said it was the, the best place in the world to, to work if you, uh, if you liked markets because uh, it was 24-7 uh, there and the people that we uh, got to interact with. And we'll talk a little bit about that. So, um, Arusha, what's some of your favorite stuff, some of the lessons that you learned from working there? Well, you know, I, I think even before starting that, I, I, I we probably should just mention that we were both customers before, right? We were using the services it, before it was Marksville, it was called Daily Graphs Online, and we were both customers. And I might have been the first one, I think, who came as a customer to work there. And uh, <laughs> so people thought I was crazy to do that. It's like, uh, but, uh, but it almost started a trend, right? I, you, you came and then we had Scott Latone. Oh, I mean, yeah. The Scott Latone came afterwards. Or I, he after came you, before right? me. Scott already oh, worked come there before. before. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So Scott Latone was the next one. And then, then you came. So it was, it was kind of funny, but it worked really well because we started having uh, people who were already familiar with the product, who were really passionate about methodology and he just wanted to be there and learn more so we were in the perfect place i think uh as you said scott um so i i think you know i think as customers you're always wondering you know what is it like to be on the inside and and so we we had a chance to to do that and really get a nice glimpse of it for for many many years so i think uh one of the things that that i really learned is uh just what how how to kind of prepare during a bear market right because when we came in or when I, when I came in I think it was at, very, at the end of 2009 uh beginning of 2010 so we were at the beginning of a bull market but it was not easy and we were still going through some corrections there but seeing at how a number of the portfolio managers would prepare and they were looking at a lot of stocks they weren't, and the, these stocks weren't perfect. I remember asking questions that, hey, this doesn't have an 80 earnings per share rating or 80 relative strength rating. Uh, why are you looking at this right now? Because they'd be looking at like 200, 300 stocks in, in their kind of universe. And, you know, the answers that I got back were, you know, don't you want to, you know, you might not have to buy it right now, but isn't it better to get familiar with it? at this time as maybe it's building a new base. And so by the time it, it completes a base, you're ready. You you know whether you want to buy it or not. So kind of getting ahead of the game and anticipating, not necessarily buying it before, um, but you're you're prepared. So when it, if it does break out or if it starts to move, there isn't necessarily a hesitation. You you can quickly move at that point and not have to learn the story when it's actually moving. And to that point, Arusha, one thing I learned and is that there aren't any secrets. It's not like yeah. they had a better screen or a secret way to find the leaders. We were buying all the same stocks and maybe we'll talk about Chipotle, one of the great stories that we have, but everybody in-house was all working in separate places, doing their own thing, but you know, they're all buying, you know, recognizing the leadership uh, with the same name. So it wasn't like, you know, the portfolio managers uh, at uh, O'Neill and company, their, their performance is, so reliant on stock selection. Stock selection is important, but it's not the be all end all. The, the, their outperformance was, you know, a little bit of market timing, avoiding those really bad periods in the market, and um, and concentration, uh, in in the ability to to handle the leaders. You know, to to not only buy them right, but to to hold them right. 
which is much harder than buying them, right? Because we can almost all see the cup with handle or the double bottom, but having the, 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 the gumption to buy it there, get a position that's meaningful, but not too meaningful that you can't handle it correctly, and then hold it as it's moving and gyrating all the way up. I, I remember the, the way Bill held Chipotle. Scott used to tell us about Scott O'Neill, who was the president of Market Smith at the time. And he'd tell us, you know, his dad's still in Chipotle. It was just amazing to me yeah. that his ability to to really hold on to that. Because unfortunately for me, I was long gone. You know, I, the profit was burning a hole in my pocket, you know. And so I, I, you know, I was just so envious of his, 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 just his ability to his emotional uh, aptitude to, to do that. Well, maybe to talk, talk about the 2010 breakout, right? Which was like kind of the, the perfect breakout of uh, a cup with a handle at a beginning of a, a on a fall through day. And it, so I think it was September 1st, 2010. Yeah. So th- this is really, really new for me. I might've only been in there maybe a couple of weeks uh, maybe a little bit longer, but I was relative. I was fairly, fairly new. And Scott came out of his office. His office is down the hall from where we worked. And he said during the middle of the day, uh, we're buying Chipotle. We meaning the portfolio managers. And, uh, you know, Bill sat one spot of the company and Mike and Charles and, and the other guys were somewhere else. And Scott was there by himself. So it wasn't like they all sat in this room and were screaming, Chipotle's breaking out. They all were prepared. They all saw the same thing, the earnings, the sales, the story, right? Because at that time, we, me and you were going to Chipotle like four times a week. Right. You know, <laughs> it was it was like our go-to because we started work so early and uh, our lunch was like- It would open at like 10.30. 10.30, I think. 30, right? 30, so right? yeah. So it was like one of the few places that was open that early that we liked. So you had the story and we'd get there early because if we didn't, we couldn't yeah, get back in time, big. right? Because of the line. The lines a, would really build up fast. What, right? what a clue yeah. that was, right? To yeah. the, the products and services, right? So everything was just right there. Uh, and and, and I, what I remember most about that is, is that it, the, there wasn't any collaboration you know, I think the reason Scott knew other other uh, colleagues of his were buying it because back then they would phone in the orders. So he, they wow. they had a, a desk, right? And he'd call the desk and say, you know, give me X amount of Chipotle. And the guy on the desk might, hey, Scott, Mike's ahead of you or 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 Bill's ahead of you. Good luck getting filled today, right? Because <laughs> there would be what's called orders ahead. So the, some of the guys, if they were the first to do this, you know, they would get in there, get their order in first. So I, I remember thinking, wow, that's, it was, it was just the, and it worked that that's neither here nor there it worked amazingly, but just the fact that they all had spotted the leader um, right there at that moment. And they, there was no hesitation, right? The other thing was it, you, a lot of times people will say, well, how do you know it's going to be a fall today? What well, in the middle of the day? Cause I remember yeah. this was probably yeah. around nine or 10 in the morning. Yeah, because one time. of those rules, and you mentioned you, you mentioned it, it before um, in the first segment, but on a falter day, you must buy something. Yeah. So going to your question, how do you know it's going to be a falter day? Yeah, you don't. You don't. But at that moment, the stock's breaking out. It's got everything, and the market's up big, a lot like today. The market was up big most of the day. The volume is tracking higher, right? You know, there's 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 a risk and a reward to it. So you, you just have to put the pieces together and say, this sure feels like a fall today. You don't want to be left standing, um, you know, and even if you'd waited to the very end of the day, it wouldn't have mattered. Chipotle, I think it closed on the high, but then, yeah. you know, continued to go and go and go until the next, until the earnings report where it really gapped up, if, if I recall, and really made a big move. So uh, that was that was one of the the, the number of, of really ingrained in me stories that I remember it was a really valuable lesson for me in the last, you know, 10, 15 years here for my own investing. All right. So Arusha, another thing that we that we got that was so valuable there was what we would call the huddles. So tell tell people about the Market Smith huddle, right? Remember Scott would come yeah. out and say, huddle in 10 minutes, you know. So yeah. or if we were really quiet, if the market was quiet and everybody was kind of sitting around, he'd say, Let's do a huddle, right? And it, and we, we would have a, a just an incredible learning experience. Yeah, and especially during corrections where things would get slow, 
Um, yeah, Scott would come out and he would come out almost every, he'd probably come out every day and, and do this, sometimes multiple times during the day. And 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 he would say, okay, let, let's do a quick huddle. And he would go over uh, kind of market lessons, say, hey, pay attention to this. Uh, you know, how, how many days are we in an attempted rally or what stocks are setting up? And, and, and you know, we'd pull up a, a stock and, and you know, we'd all take a look at how it's building a base or which stocks are hitting relative strength lines are that are hitting a new high. So it was almost in many ways. And, and there's I, I want to say maybe it was this is during like 2011 or so where it got, you know, the markets were really tough. And so we weren't doing that much. Uh, where it was essentially a daily hour long type of lesson, right? Where which was awesome, you know, for the the market junkies and in, in, in the group, you know, we we loved it uh, because you're just learning this in real time or seeing a lot of these details uh, in in real time. And I, I remember, I remember a few kind of phrases that Scott would say over and over again in the huddles, like, you know, pull up this stock and see how powerful this breakout is or see how strong this move. And he would say, you know, that's a sea change of sentiment where boats don't have brakes, right? <laughs> Meaning kind of like, you know, with that Chipotle, that powerful breakout in September 1st of 2010, that it the the breakout was really powerful the market was starting to move and the momentum was able to just kind of keep going and going and went a lot longer than you know any of us could imagine except bill right because he's he's he, he's been through a number of these cycles and identified the leaders so all these kind of little uh kind of details throwing it at us real time was you know perfect for us you know we were coming we were customers and we wanted to learn more about the methodology yeah and so Scott O'Neill, gosh, hundreds of huddles over a 10-year period, probably. And but also, you know, the guys that were like rock stars to us that you saw in the hallway, it's you know, and they're all amazing people, Charles and Mike Webster. But right. you know, they're portfolio managers at William O'Neill, and they you just think, wow, it, it, I you know, I was a little bit starstruck by all of them, Steve Birch and yeah. and them. And so you'd get to meet them and interact with them and they would come and, and do huddles. And, and then I remember the first time we went to a, a meetup and we had um, dinner with Charles and Mike at, uh, at right. uh, BJ's restaurant, That's you know, right. we all sat around. I just thought that was the most amazing. I couldn't believe I was sitting ever. next to Charles Harris. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so it was really a, a great experience to, to learn, you know, how these guys handled things and in, in the way that they did. And, a few few nuggets that that I got from from Scott per Bill and Bill would talk to us once in a while, but mostly it was it was you know passed down from from Scott. But uh, he once said that Bill rarely got completely out of the market in a huddle, and and I wrote that down, and I was uh, I was a little bit floored because I always thought you know market and correction you go to cash uh, market market and uptrend, you, you know, pedal the metal, you go a hundred percent, if not more. And that was kind of how I traded too. You know, I was, was full, full speed ahead or, you know, full stop. And he said his dad would, would be probing always. So even if the market was bad, he might have a little bit of Apple or a little bit of Google or in this environment, you know, maybe he'd have a little bit of NVIDIA or a little bit of maybe some of these other semiconductor stocks that are acting so well. and they just gave him that 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 feel for the market that was that was so amazing. So uh, I I've taken that to heart, and it's really helped me, especially in periods where I want to get bearish and get in and get negative and get worried. And I always kind of think, well, you know, let's have something. Let's have something in there, even if it's a five percent position. You know, if a five percent position were to go down ten percent, let's just say it got away from me. That you know, it's half of a percent on your whole portfolio, right? So you can survive that, and that, that that's that's definitely been something that's helped me in the last you know 10, 15 years. And then you know, the stock's not going to double or triple because of the chart. So the reason our charts look like they do is because that's what Bill wanted. He wanted a chart with earnings and sales and return on equity and fund ownership and and uh, proprietary rankings etc and you know that 
that's like 80 to 90% of it. The other 10 to 20 would be the chart. The chart can help you to identify the entry. The other thing he loved about charts is it allowed you to look at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stocks back to your story. Uh, you know, he'd actually look at thousands, probably yeah. a couple of thousand on the weekend and whittle it down to a manageable level. So it allows you to see, you know, the, the whole market and then bring it down to a, a number that's manageable for you. Yeah. And, and Scott, you know, before before we run out of, of the time in, in the segment, I just wanted to bring up one last kind of story here, which I, I think it was almost kind of the, the perfect way to end kind of our market Smith alone type of experience where we were our own separate company and then slowly started to get more involved with IBD. But it was when we did a trading summit in Chicago, and this was the first ever trading summit. We did trading summits all over the country later on, but we did this one trading summit and Scott O'Neill was the, the keynote speaker uh, and you, know, you presented, I presented, Justin presented, Amy Smith, and we all had like 20 minutes uh, presentation where we kind of went over one concept and we anim went through a lot of animation of charts. Uh, and it was unbelievable how many people showed up to this thing. I, it was over 450 people. It was standing room only. It was always fire hazard, fire hazard, I think. We had to um, tell some people they couldn't show and they were pretty upset. Had turn, yeah, over 100 people had to be turned away <laughs> yeah. from, from the event. Um, and just just kind of the energy in, in, the, in that room, uh, it was, I think I, it still was probably the most memorable pres presentation, but that was kind of the, the beginning of, of the, the trading summits. Um, and, and and it, it was just it was almost a perfect culmination of, of what Scott had taught us, and we had just we shared with uh, with everyone else at, at that point, going over all these kind of lessons. I uh, really love those charts. I've been using them forever. There are a lot of things in the pipeline. The future is really exciting. Uh, we hope to take some things to the next level, and we have a great clientele who really care about the charts as much as we do. Uh, we're hard at work in the background. We really are working on some new features. So stay tuned and we hope to have some really great updates in the future. Trading Tesla, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leverage and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Okay, welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. I'm your host, Scott St. Clair, and I'm joined by Irusha Pires, Portfolio Manager at O'Neill Global Advisors. So uh, we had a follow today, Arusha. Let's start talking about uh, watch lists, stocks to watch, anything on your radar that uh, we can discuss. Yeah, so I, I think, uh, Scott, we should uh, we can start off with Southern Copper. Uh, and, and so here's a, a stock that's, Forming and so I have a weekly chart on, on the marks with charts here and uh, working on a double bottom, uh, getting back above the the ten week line here and and really, it, it's built this really long trading range over the last year and a half. Uh, so a breakout past that eighty area, especially on big volume, would be a significant breakout. Yeah, it reminds me a lot uh, on Twitter. We've been doing uh, these historical charts and Cleveland Cliffs was one mm -hmm. that we did recently in 2004 when it broke out of a really long base. So uh, I, I don't know, Southern Copper looked, reminded me of that. You mm -hmm. also have that the really large base down to the smaller base, right? And that virtual summit that you talked about, well, one yep. of the virtual summits that we did. Well, tra trading you, summit. Yeah, you did a uh, study on that, right? Yeah, multi-deconstructive. Yeah. yeah, the bases start out large. They get smaller and smaller and tighter and tighter. So uh, this is a stock that I do own. I did buy it today kind of on a, you know, shakeout plus three uh, buy point. Uh, you know, the Jesse Livermore, you know, shakeout plus three buy point undercut that low and started to jump up. And, you know, you, you had the market environment. So I wanted to, you know, just put put more money to work. And this is one of the few stocks that, uh, you know, it's kind of jumped out at me um, earlier today. So I, I like that that type of uh, double bottoms are probably my favorite. I really like when they shake you out because, you know, I always get shaken out of good stocks. So yeah. I might as well be on the other side of them once in a while, too. 
they're always hard. Yeah, they, it's especially after you get shaken out. It's always hard to get back into them. So yeah, I, I I know you love these, and I've been trying to pick up on these a little bit more and more because it, it's hard. It, it's hard after that kind of shakeout. But but Scott, I'll, I'll ask you a quick question here uh, about the, the the do the fundamentals kind of the the negative earnings and sales. So that does that bother you? Yeah, I mean, obviously it, it's this is going to be super, super correlated with the price of copper, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so it, it's, it's kind of a different type of purchase than uh, I would make in a semiconductor stock or a medical uh, products stock, et cetera. So it, yeah, th these are a lot harder, you know, uh, you, you buy gold stocks, you buy copper stocks, or you buy coal stocks mm -hmm. and, and even a little bit with oil stocks too. I find them they're, they're, Look, all stocks are hard, but they they seem to be extra hard because you're 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 watching the market, you're watching the the stock, you're watching the underlying commodity, and it, you know it can be you can just get so many mixed signals. So yeah, it's it's I'd prefer this was a, a pharmaceutical stock with earnings last quarter up eighty two percent. But uh, but one thing about commodities, like I think about like Jesse Livermore from you know reminiscences of a stock operator who would trade commodities. It's all it's all supply and demand, right? It, it's yeah. just flat out supply and demand. And if we're all going to be driving EVs, you know, if they're going to get rid of these uh, uh, ICE vehicles, then there's just not enough copper. It, it, it's flat out just is not enough. So uh, this stock almost has to go up if 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 we're going to force the world kind of away from uh you know these combustion engines that we have and because i, I can't think of the number but it, uh, you know uh, an electric car has like 10 times the amount of copper wow. that um that. that uh uh for lack of a better term regular car has yeah no that makes sense i mean every time for commodities and, and and things like that or ev when you when you think of the commodities you think we've always been talking about lithium right and and those lithium stocks went on some really nice runs over the last year plus or, or, or so. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't realize copper was a that much more copper was in an electric vehicle. And and I always like the narrative. I've become big on the story, you know, ever since we talked about like, you know, Bill and it's not just the chart. So and I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm and by no means am I an expert on any of this. But, you know, I guess it takes like 20 years from from start to finish for a, a, a copper mine to get yeah, going. And that, so, yeah. you know, you could have, you could have, you could find a copper mine in, in XYZ country today, but you'll, you're not going to get any copper out of the ground until 2043. Wow. That's incredible to me. Now, maybe the, the technology will accelerate as we go forward. Everything seems to happen so much faster, but uh, you know, right now it kind of is what it is. And so you can see really big moves in commodities in short periods of time. Maybe that's why it, it appeals to me a little bit, like if because they can go up pretty fast. And and the other way too. But you know, again, the, the asymmetry is in our favor. If mm -hmm. as long as I respect my stop and can get my stop, the most I'm going to lose is four, five, six percent with the chance to, you know, to make 20, 30, 50%. You want to do that all day uh, and and you'll be good to go. All right, so let's, oh, and, and pull up ERO. I know I'm throwing you a curveball here a little bit, Arusha, but I uh, go to the daily and, and you have confirmation in the group. So, it, okay. you know, it, it, this stock, um, Although it closed at 18, I guess it didn't close as well as I thought, but at one point it was uh, as high as 18.72. And I tried to buy this in the morning. I had a limit to buy it at 17.50 because oh, wow. the low is 17.58. Yeah. <laughs> and it goes to show you about using limits, but it's a little thin. It trades 100,000 shares a day on average. And I was trying to buy it across a number of accounts. So, I, you know, on the open, I thought I better use a limit and I didn't get filled, but uh, um, so, but at least you had a little bit of strength on another uh, stock in the group as, as confirmation. All right. So let's go to the next stock. Let's talk about uh, Melly, uh, Mercado Libre. 
M-E-L-I is the ticker. Yeah, so um, th this this is a stock that's um, been acting pretty well. It uh, it broke out of a, a large consolidation around a around a couple of months ago, and and then built a flat base. Try to break out of that and pull back uh, back into the the ten week moving average here. And so uh, it, it's it, it you know we we kind of mentioned the the faulty to constructive concept before. Here it, it's kind of getting tighter and tighter too. It's a little bit more uh ascending right here but you had a larger consolidation and then you go to the flat base and then it's even tighter here you know mark minervini talks about the his vcp patterns that have a, a very similar type of concept too uh so it seems like it's it's been hanging in there it's tightening up and and it's uh let's see well two percent off the oh, below the pivot right now so it's one of the, one of the better uh acting retail stocks and uh, this is this is stock back in the past. I'll pull up on a monthly chart here that using the O'Neill methodology uh, has been one that trends really well when the when the the markets are acting well. Yeah, and it, so it got hit really hard uh, in the 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 bear market that we've had. You know, from what's that, nineteen hundred down to gosh, as low as six hundred. But what what in, is intriguing to me is that it's come back much better than say the C Limiteds of the world, um, right. you know, uh, some of the other stocks that just haven't, you know, they, they don't look as good as Melly. And Melly has, you know, back to your question about earnings and sales, you know, Melly has all the factors. You know, the last quarter earnings were up four hundred and fifty percent, revenue up forty one percent, return on equity twenty nine percent. Uh, thing in fund ownership. So you've got, it's not very big, but Contra has a, a small position, Fidelity Contra, JP Morgan. Uh, they all have kind of small probing positions. It, it kind of looks like to me. So if they, if they start to maybe get more um, confident in the markets and, or this company, you, you, you could see uh, the stock really trend uh, going forward. So this is another, it's a watch list candidate. I do not own uh, Melly at this time, but I, I would think it would be a, a watch list candidate for most uh, people using our system. Yeah. Now, one one thing just to to bring up because uh, I, I know uh, people or or people have been doing this for a while might might ask this question, but there there is a bunch of overhead supply here or uh, over last year. Meaning, so overhead supply it, it was trading higher, as you mentioned. It was. Tra trading almost at two thousand dollars and came all the bit that back down to six hundred, and so there are people who bought it at sixteen hundred dollars, fifteen hundred dollars, uh, things like that. Where the stock sometimes will well that those are resistance areas, and so it might have a little bit more trouble getting through those versus a stock that's breaking out into all time highs. So so that's one thing that you know it's it's always a little bit of a, a negative check mark. They can hang in there. I mean, they definitely can overcome it. During a bear market, there are going to be a lot of stocks that have overhead supply. But um, that, that that is something just to bring out to, to be aware of. Yeah. And, and as the stock moves, maybe that's kind of why it's been uh, just kind of stuck in the mud here uh, mm -hmm. above this pivot for a number of weeks is you're running into that. But as it moves sideways, you know, overhead resistance kind of falls away. Anyone who's owned this stock for two, three years, watched it go down in half or more and then all the way back they're probably not looking to sell anyways uh so you've probably as you get further and further to the right you'll lose some of that uh resistance and maybe that will allow the stock uh, a little bit of room um room to run but that yeah it's a good good point it might be you know in hindsight when i think about why it's just kind of sat here Although the market's kind of sat here for a while, is is you know you've probably in that kind of zone of overhead resistance. All right, and then let's look at something that's a little faster mover that I'm sure a lot of people have uh, either watched and or owned. It's AEHR is the ticker. Uh, I guess it would be Air Test Systems. So if you like um, volatility and speed and in stocks that move, this is this would be high on your list. I do not own this one. I have owned it uh, before. I, uh, I I did buy it when it broke out um, or gapped up maybe uh, five or six weeks ago. And 
it it was okay. It was I did all okay with it. Not it's much higher than where I sold it, but I just found that it was a little hard to hold on to uh, because of the you know the the volatility in the stock. It you know a ten percent move from high to low is is was not is just like normal action for that stock. So you, you know you'd want to have a a position accordingly, and then you have that gap down. Uh, um, on the, uh, you know, that was the news, I believe, where Elon Musk, uh, might have been Tesla Investor Day, where they talked about um, uh, going away from the uh, silicon, silicon carbide that AEHR uses. <laughs> and so, uh, but stock actually held up really well, considering, I mean, at one point, it was down to maybe 22 and change or something, 23 yeah, and a half to the low. It would have been really difficult, and the, but it closed pretty good. Another stock in the group, ACLS, did the same thing that day. So um, this has been the, the leadership in the market has been semiconductor stocks, which is good because if the market's going to get legs, there's a lot of merchandise in semiconductors. A lot of them have quarterly earnings and sales. If that's, you know, if if you've got like a checklist there are, there's plenty of merchandise that meets those checklist items. Now, AEHR does report earnings tomorrow at the close, uh, Thursday, the 30th at the close. And uh, I think we, we before we started this podcast, we checked the uh, the option market and it's pricing in like a 17.5% move. So That's pretty low um, for this stock. Yeah, <laughs> it, uh, yeah I think... Uh, Ali mentioned that in the last three times they've announced earnings, the stock's been up at least 25%. Wow. So uh, keep that in mind if, if you're considering something like this, uh, you've got the earnings tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, if if you don't already own it and don't have a, a good enough cushion, I mean, you're, you're, your chances are you're, you're taking a little bit too much of a risk here or reduce it to adjust, you know, kind of like what Scott was talking about before. If, if you're if you have a five percent position and you're down ten percent, you you're uh, you're taking a, a, a half a percent hit on your overall portfolio. So you want to do that with with this type of stock. You definitely anything can happen in the market, and you definitely don't want to get caught in a twenty plus percent uh, gap down. Um, anything can happen. So so just take that in mind and 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 make those plans ahead of time and kind of figure out that risk and the potential downside ahead of time. So at least, you know, whether, whether, what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. The earnings reports has been, you know, a massive, uh, wild card and it's gotten, you know, worse and worse in the last few years. I'm torn on earnings. I tend to hold, I do not own a EHR, but I tend to hold through earnings, but I do tend to, reduce my position size and just do the math. Imagine I have a 10% position and it's down 20%. So my mm -hmm. whole portfolio is down 2% that day, barring all the other stocks, of course. Right. If I'm up 22% for the year, I, I, can I can live with that. Now I'm up 20 for the year. If I'm down 3% for the year, you know, I don't want to almost double my my downside move for the year in one name. So I would really adjust the risk accordingly. So that's how I like to think about the earnings report. You know, earnings come out four times a year. And if you're ever going to have a really big winner, an NVIDIA, a Tesla, a Google, you're going to have to sit through an earnings report or a number of them. Jim Ropel talks a lot about, you know, sitting through these beat and raise quarters, you know, three or four of them. And so it's it's it makes it difficult uh, to think about how to handle these because the earnings have gotten, you know, to become um, a very highly volatile event for, for most equities. But that being said, you, you don't necessarily, I, I don't know, may, are, are you going to buy something on the day of earnings? Would uh, you initiate a position on the day of earnings? Yeah, I, the, the, I bought AEHR the day after earnings on uh, January 7th. Yeah, but on, on the day before earnings or something. Would no, you, no, would I would not initiate okay. a okay, position in this. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I don't own it, nor do I intend to own it. Yeah, just because I, I can't, you know, I wouldn't know how to control my risk. Exactly. You know, right. and if you buy it the day before, you're going to be up or down half a percent. You have no cushion. Um, so that's, you know, that's the other thing. Now, if, 
I don't really, you know, we're off. We're, we're, this is a whole nother podcast, but it, to me, it, all, you know, every dollar in my account is my money. So I don't like to think about like, uh, I tend to come in like with the mindset that, okay, I own this stock. What, what do I, regardless of where I own it from, do I think it's going higher or lower? Right. That's really my mindset. And, and I just stole that from Paul Tudor Jones. Cause he, he talked a lot about that, how he would, people would ask him what he thought of X, Y, Z. And then they'd ask, well, um, where, where do you own it at? And he would say, well, it doesn't matter where I own it at. If I, if I tell you, I think X, Y, Z is going higher. It doesn't, it shouldn't matter or lower. So I, I tend to, to right or wrong. That's how I tend to look at them. Um, so I don't, I don't, you know, I know a lot of people, other people though, use the cushion philosophy, which is fine too. In the end, have a plan, whatever the plan might be, have a plan. All right. Well, Arusha, it's been fun. Uh, hopefully they'll have me back. Hopefully I did. Okay. Uh, let's hope that Justin does, uh, find his way home from Hawaii, uh, so that he can have a slot back. But that, that'll do it for this week. I really appreciate you uh, joining me for this ride. I, I miss um, our stock. Uh, we used to do a video together. We used to, we used to go That's on right. long bear market walks <laughs> <laughs> at MarketSmith. That was our one of 10, the stories steps. that we didn't get, uh, get a chance to talk about because uh, and we talk stocks and things like that. So it, uh, it's, been, it's been a real pleasure to, to do this with you. No, no, it's, it's it's always great, and 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 maybe you can fund uh, Justin's next vacation so you can be back on. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll put him in AEHR and some options. There you go. Let's see what happens. Yeah. So next week our guest is portfolio manager David Lundgren of Motor Capital Management. I really appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, we will see you next time. Thanks a lot. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.